HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by Eat on North. Eat on North is a casual restaurant where honest, uncomplicated food is served without pretension. Find Eat on North at hotelonnorth.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Ever wonder what it's like to be a tech startup inside of an accelerator? Find out now on this episode of Tech Bytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. If you are listening in the future, today we have a full house at Roberta's Pizza because it is Columbus Day, which is kind of a holiday. Kind of a holiday, which means hopefully you are chilling somewhere fun, not at work, and getting ready to dig into a new episode of Tech Bites. I'm Jennifer Leitze, your host, and every Monday afternoon we talk about the intersection of food and technology. More digital web app tech, a little bit less cooking technology. That's the Dave Arnold Show cooking sense. Today, the technology we're talking about is startups inside accelerators. And if you don't know what an accelerator is, stay tuned, because we're going to find out all about it um, from Arnie Pals, who is the CEO of a small company called Wakati Design, and he just started a stint in the FoodX Accelerator in New York City. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming out. My pleasure. So the first thing we do on Tech Bites is we start the show like a good meal with something I like to call appetizer, which is where we go around the studio and everybody talks about an app that they like right now, an old favorite, something new they've discovered. Um, and I realized listening back to the last few episodes, I have not thrown out one of my new favorite apps. So I'm going to go first, which will give you a little time to think about what you're going to say. And the app that I want to talk about today is the Drift Away Coffee app. It is an app for the iPhone, and it's really, really beautiful. The design and the photography and the user interface is really sublime, and it is created by the Drift Away Coffee Company, which is a subscription coffee company where you get coffee delivered to you each month from different places like Kenya and Colombia and Nicaragua. And 
it has a little interface where you can select different things that you like and flavor profiles and how you use it. And there's a blog. And then that sort of triangulates what the best coffee would be for you. And it's really lovely. Um, you can also follow them on Instagram at driftawaycoffee. And the photography is just beautiful. So if you love coffee and you want to get some or at least just have a virtual coffee break, I definitely recommend that you check them out. They are also friends of Heritage Radio Network, which we love because we are a 100% member-supported network. So without beautiful companies like Driftaway Coffee, we would just be sitting here having pizza and having a conversation. <laughs> so I'm going to throw it out to Liz, who is today standing in for Jack. Liz, do you have an app that you like? Hello, hello. Yes. Actually, this app has been gaining a little bit of notoriety, especially on college campuses, but it is called Companion. And the cool thing about Companion is basically, say you're out with friends and you are tired or whatnot and want to go home and you're heading home alone. What you do is you open up Companion, you tell it where you're going, and with the your smartphone's GPS, it will track how long it should ideally take you to get there. And you can tell companion to tell your friends to text them when you arrive at that place so you never have to go through worrying to make sure that your friends got home safely oh that is a great great app yeah and another really cool feature is say you are walking to the train from some remote place out in the boonies or whatnot if you feel nervous you can tap a button and it will allow the the police that are in the area to know that hey maybe we should do a drive-by here or if worse comes to worse and you really need help 911 is right on the app as well so it's got you covered that's very cool yeah yeah i mean you can't really go wrong with something like that and is that for iphone and android or i mean i can confirm the iphone i'm not sure with the android i'm almost positive though that uh, with the popularity that it's it's getting, there's no way that it's not Droid capable. And that's not only good for people in college, but it's also great for just people in life in urban environments. Anybody, even kids walking home from school. Absolutely. Or you know, you you get home and you meant to text your friends, but you passed out on the couch. It will do it for <laughs> that you. That never happens. No, never, never to me. Not even <laughs> once. <laughs> And then we have a new Declan back there. Do you have an app that you like this week? Uh, new yeah. Declan? Um, yeah. I just found there, there's an old game that I used to play when I was a kid on the computer called Myst. And I just found an iPhone app version of it. And I was extremely happy about that because it was one of my favorite games. Myst? Um, yeah. With, what kind of game y. is that? Um, there's a lot of like, it's kind of, it's kind of like an adventure, but it kind of plays like a board game. So you click and uh, it just like brings you to the next stage and there's either like you pick like go right or left or open this box or something like that and there's all these kind of puzzles you have to solve and you're stranded on an island so the goal is to get off of the island eventually sounds like a make your own adventure yeah it's great castaway thing now what kind of computer were you playing on when you were a kid uh an enormous mac uh apple something (laughs) I don't remember the model, but it was one of the ones that looks like a old like tube TV. Right. It's like very. Oh, it large. had the giant part in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got it, got it. When I was a kid, we played Atari. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> On the actual TV. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Arnie, do you have an app that you like right now? 
Um, uh, I just arrived here one week in New York, so the Metro app is saving my life. But um, Yelp is also very interesting here. Um, but most of the apps for Europe are quite differently than here. So, so when you say you've been in New York for one week, where did you come in from? Uh, from Belgium, from Antwerp. And do you have Yelp in Belgium? Not really. It's it's um, a small town, and you have to have a decent size of population. So here it works really well, and you find really nice places to eat. It's been great. So he is here from Antwerp in New York City because his company, Wakati Design, just became a part of the third cohort of the FoodX Accelerator. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the FoodX Accelerator, we had the founder, Shantong, on a few episodes back. It's episode 25 of Tech Bytes. He's a great guy. And he gives you a little bit of the background into what that is. So accelerators are something very specific to the tech world, and they actually have only been around for about 10 years. And the first one was the Y Combinator Accelerator, which I believe started around 2005. And it really is a part of startup life and it's kind of a fascinating thing that doesn't really exist anywhere else um, essentially larger companies create a learning incubation environment for smaller startups and startups compete to be a part of it and the incubators last anywhere from a few weeks to a few months and they receive help with everything from tech design or marketing or fundraising and typically the accelerator program ends with what they call a stand-up which is when the companies the startup companies give a presentation about what their product is how they're doing um, how many followers they have or what their constituency is that they've grown and where they are in funding and the big next piece is having a presentation to start to solicit funding from different people for the different rounds. So typically the accelerators um, aren't doing this just because they want to help young business people and new businesses. Typically they do it because they're also getting a small percentage stake in the business as well going forward. So they're kind of putting skin into the game That's true. and playing, playing the odds. Maybe out of 10, one or two might hit the jackpot and you know continue forward plus there's also a kind of a general um goodwill good feeling you know progress you know help people forward kind of thing in the accelerator community so that kind of in a nutshell is what they're about and so we've had our need to come on today to kind of tell us what the experience actually is like so tell us why you wanted to bring your company into an accelerator in the first place um, as you mentioned previously, it's uh, nine out of the ten startups they die, so that's uh, the odds are against you. And an acceleration program makes sure that you have your grounds covered, that you 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 tackle your weaknesses, and that's one of the main things. They challenge you, and then you know where you have to address more more time to. Now, do you have a business partner or a? Yeah, we are. Uh, our team is three people: Arno, uh, myself, and Michael. Um, and we've been working on it together for like a half year. Um, and the project dates back from two, three years ago, um, when Wakati, the idea of the product, was first arrived. 
So the three of you together decided it would be a good idea to be in an accelerator, or yeah, and also um, because we are um, actually developing a product for um, uh, the supply chain in developing countries, it's something that um, the first way to market strategy is by foundations, and New York has a lot of. Um, foundations stationed here so we are also expanding our, our view on the world we are from Antwerp, it's not really a big town um, so see what's happening here Had you applied to many accelerators before? Um, two actually. And yeah. what happened with those two? Um, both got accepted So you have previously been into accelerators already? No, we had to turn one down and the other was in Berlin and um, New York was uh, the way to go for us. So you applied to three, you got into two, and you picked the food accelerator in New York City as the one to participate in. We entered two times, and we two times at bingo. So that's, uh, but we chose New York, yeah. So what are the top, what are the, say, top maybe two or three reasons that you wanted to be in an accelerator specifically? Um, as I said before, like covering your, your grounds, knowing what your weaknesses are is one of the most vital things that you have to know as a startup. Um, getting into an amazing cohort, of course, the, the colleagues and the drift and the, the drive of the other people is something that pushes you forward and getting mentor sessions about people that you would normally know and never meet. So um, that's something very special. And what are you giving them in return? What do you uh, give the, the, the accelerator in return? Uh, part of uh, the company, of course, and all my time. Um, and um, hope to help other uh, startups as well as they are helping me. Can you tell us what percentage of your company? Um, probably not. Probably not. Can you say less than 10, more than 10? Less than 10. Less than 10%. Yeah. Okay. More than five? Yeah. <laughs> Less than 10, more than 5. Let's say 7. And you said that also you're contributing all of your time. So that's your time working on your business. Yeah. Do you have to contribute time to the accelerator outside of working on your business? Um, it is a very packed schedule that they have uh, presented for us. So we are challenged and we have great mentors coming every day. It's, it's really something special. Um, but it interferes a little bit with our business. So now we are working double time. Um, but that's uh, something that we are, we're looking forward to. That's the reason why we joined. So. And how much time will you spend in New York City? Um, we are staying here for two and a half months. And is that part of the process to physically be in the space? Yeah, if, if you're not in the, the environment where the, the accelerator is happening, then I think you're throwing away your equity. Um, so it's very important to be here, to meet them. Um, and also, you not always know what you need as a startup. Um, and in the, the, in the communication, uh, in the mentor sessions, it comes clear that what you need. And then they link you with it. And it uh, Sales Ventures has a, an amazing network. So that's something that is um, behind Foodex. And Foodex has amazing network um, also in collaboration with uh, Hacks Accelerator as a hardware accelerator uh, in Shenzhen so it's also very important and, and one of the, 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 the reasons why we're here uh, was also to have our production side tackled our sales process and to get mentored yeah 
So your product, though, is not for a New York or an American audience. Your product is for an agricultural audience in yeah. Africa. Exactly. Yeah. So we're uh, addressing a, a huge need that is at this moment. Uh, the smallholder farmers of uh, of Africa, um, they are confronted with a, a loss of their crops. About forty five percent of the fruits and vegetables they get wasted. So that's madness, right? So that's the question: Is there a waste problem or a food problem? Um, so we're addressing that um, by a very simple technology that doesn't work. Um, it's it works like a refrigerator but without the cooling aspect of it so we make fruits and vegetables last longer um, with a very small solar panel that is the size of your ipad um, very simple electronics and affordable so something actually tailor-made to their needs there's a great video on YouTube that sort of shows what it is and, and describes what it is. Can you describe it just actually what it is a little bit more specifically so people at home can imagine it? Yeah, um, I'm just thinking that I don't know the yards thingy, but... Um, That's okay. <laughs> uh, it's like a tent, uh, the, the size of a full-grown, um, like a table, a good table, and then you can store up to 450. 50 lips of uh, pounds of, of crops inside. Um, what is the tent made of? It's like a polyethylene uh, tent material. Um, and then you can put your fruits and vegetables inside and then they last longer. So that's also what Wakati means. Uh, it is Swahili for time. Um, and it creates a sterilized microclimate inside. Uh, so the, the crops are protected against mold, uh, ethylene, and uh, the ripening hormone of fruits and vegetables. And, of course, uh, remain their uh, cell structure. So then the power to create this environment comes from the That's, small solar panel, which yeah. is about the size of an iPad. Yeah, it's 3 watts, so it's actually uh, 1% of the energy that you normally use in a refrigerator while you can putting more crops inside. So the iPad solar panel connects to the small tent yeah. and you store the fresh produce inside, inside of, of it. Yeah. And it creates some sort of environment that's not based on temperature, but exactly. that's based on balancing something else. Yeah. So the main thing that you, uh, what was my um, aha moment in, in Ethiopia, well, I was um, going to do research there for my thesis. Um, it was fruits and vegetables, they grow in the field. They don't grow in a refrigerator. So I was playing around with how can you preserve fruits and vegetables, but they, in a, they are not so affected by temperature as we think. So they look so good if you store them at body tank temperature like 68 Fahrenheit, degrees Fahrenheit just tweak the environment a little bit and the difference is day and night um, so tweaking the environment it's primarily bacteria or microbes or things like that that are making that would then make the, the food rot I guess exactly yeah it sounds like it would have a practical application outside of Africa as well I mean just any place where you have agriculture it's true. Um, on the other hand, um, we are very um, used to cooling, and cooling is such an amazing technology. It's, it works so well. Um, what we do with Wakati is like a stepping stone. It's uh, something that works well for a re very reasonable price. But if you have cooling, cooling is still a little bit bigger, uh, better. 
So maybe that is that the next generation, perhaps, of your project, well, creating the tent that cools. <laughs> <laughs> maybe could be. Maybe. Well, we will take a little break right now. It's the perfect time to hear from our sponsor, Eat On North, which we thank so much for coming on board and listening to some break music by Vesa. I'm Brian Alberg, and I'm the executive chef at Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts is a casual restaurant where good, honest, uncomplicated food is served to our guests. Our restaurant is part of the hotel called Hotel on North, the newly opened boutique hotel in downtown Pittsfield. We source local ingredients from our neighboring farms and offer an all-day dining menu of flavorful American cuisine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and on weekends we serve brunch. Our oyster bar serves up delicious shellfish and oyster samplers until 11 p.m. Check out our menu at eatonnorth.com and follow us on Instagram. Well, if you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network.org. And once a week, we sit out in the shipping container at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that technology is a company called Wakati Design, and they are based in Belgium and in New York City for the next couple months as a part of the third cohort of the FoodX Accelerator. And we're talking to CEO Arnie Powells about what it's like being a startup company inside an accelerator. I think, at least in the United States, we have a lot of movies like The Internship, and we have a TV show called Silicon Valley, which kind yeah, of pokes of. fun a little bit at the whole startup and tech world. So did you have an idea in your mind of what it was going to be like when you got to New York to be in the accelerator? Um, in Belgium, I did an incubator program, so I was a little bit prepared for it. What's the difference between an incubator and an accelerator? An incubator is when you have maybe an idea um, and you have like a way to go, but you don't have a product yet. You are not sure yet where you want to end up. And acceleration is um, when you have something and you really know your focus and you just want to go faster. Okay. So you did the incubator. Yeah. And how was that? Um, it's... Um, a lot of beer and pizza and a lot of uh, socializing and meeting other people. Uh, it's also where I found uh, one of uh, the, the, the founders, the co-founders of, uh, of Wakati. Um, we met him there. So it's, it's an interesting space. There's a lot of energy, um, a lot of frustration. It's, it's, it's something, uh, yeah, never experienced anything like it. I think when we see it on TV and in the media and read about it, um, there's a piece of it where people watch the founders with the ideas playing ping pong and eating pizza and hanging out and wonder, how is that productive? 
how do you actually get things done? Where where is the work come out of that environment? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, it's also a lot of work, um, but they are just focusing on um, on the combination of the people because the interaction. Many people of uh, have solved the problem before you uh, have it already. So um, most of the days it's hard work, and then at the end of the day or once a week um, there is beer and pizza. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, but they don't show you that because uh, it doesn't catch on tape so well. <laughs> and so then the accelerator is when you actually have the business started up and running, and then you just want to sort of go through your progress faster. Yeah. And then you're ready to get the introductions that you need, um, depending on what company are, you are. Uh, it depends if you're like a coffee brewing um, product and you would like to have a, a Walmart, for example. And then th those connections are really difficult to make if you're a startup. And an accelerator has a lot of contact, so everything moves faster. Who are the people you want to meet most? Um, well, we um, one of them is uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, of course. We meeting them on Wednesday. We That's exciting. Yeah, we met them already in uh, in Nairobi. They're very friendly people. So um, that's something that we're really looking out for. And then, of course, uh, all the mentors. Uh, Joel Burke uh, that we saw last week was an amazing, um, inspiring talk about uh, the the hunger in in America itself. So it is also more than what you look out for. You get more. So it's, it's, it's a journey. I don't know what is coming. And do you think your company is one of, you know, the nine, one of the one out of 10 or the two out of 10? Otherwise, I wouldn't spend my days and nights for doing, doing it. Yeah, we're really doing the effort. And um, I know that, uh, or in, in Belgium it is, uh, in Europe, um, the failing is okay. Syndrome is... is is spreading but you know if you're really working hard yeah failing doesn't really is not is not really an option anymore so well i think it also depends on how you define failure in the startup world one of the things that a lot of people don't understand in terms of the startup culture mm -hmm. is you can have a successful business based on having a good concept having um, you know, followers on social media or having people potentially interested and create a business where you're functioning but not necessarily making money, mm. but that could still be considered successful based on, you know, the life stages of a startup. Yeah, it's true. At this moment, um, we're burning more money than we earn money. So, yeah, of course. Um, but still... Um, Failing is like closing your books. Um, I also uh, it is um, means it has a lot of meanings because there is also the lean startup, for example. They say they talk about fail fast, fail often. Um, so to iterate your process, so you can really make a market fit with your product. But if you're talking about real failure, I don't consider that as an, a real option for me. But um, <laughs> failing like in a day-to-day -day basis, yeah, that's that's what we do already. So, 
So you talked about um, when you come into these different collective environments, you discover people have thought of the same solution or similar solutions either in the past or at the same time. Have you found that there are people working on similar solutions or companies working on similar solutions to Wakati? Um, actually, no. That's uh, something... Um, it's a very simple technology and nobody has done it before. It's, it's quite strange. Um, but um, there are also yeah, quite a lot of entry barriers in that market because it's, it's very difficult to make a product for um, a target group that you're not familiar with and that you're not really close to. So filling fast is very difficult. So we do try, but uh, we last month I was in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Uganda to follow up the pilot project um, and to get more feedback. So it's always... Uh, yeah. Well, you're also creating a product for people who can't really afford it, right? That's you're creating a product for people who need something but can't afford to buy it. Exactly. That's why uh, we need uh, the first stage, the, the foundations and the NGOs. So um, they can help us develop the product to the perfect fit and also to get some scaling. When we have the advantage of scaling, we can be more affordable and um, if you're looking at 45% of the foods get wasted, that's 45% of their income gets wasted. So there is a huge opportunity for these people. Um, but we have to be affordable enough, of course. Is there a commercial application for this? I mean, I think there's probably application for it in the United States or even um, military or travel when people are going to remote places where you don't have the infrastructure to have refrigeration and things like that have you know, people already been talking to you or have you already been thinking about creating it commercially to then be able to have an arm where you do the philanthropic work? We have uh, received that question quite a lot. But um, on the other hand, one of the main reasons why startups fail is that they don't keep their focus. So, of course, you have to have your focus and stick with it. Um, there has been a lot of time and inv uh, money invested in this track. And if you're talking about 250 million smallholder farmers that can be addressed, that's, that's a huge market opportunity as well. If, who's paying for it, though? Um, normally, the, our strategy is to go to B2B, so we're, um, selling to agricultural dealers in the end. So everybody in Africa is almost active in hard, uh, uh, agriculture. So they all can buy fertilizers, pesticides, everything that they need, um, just like in India and Indonesia. Um, so tackling in, tho in those supply chains is the, the best fit of our product, of course. Just being something like drip irrigation, something that creates money for them. That's the baseline, actually, improving their lives making it more profitable to uh, agriculture. So one of the things that you said is startups often fail because they don't keep their focus. Yeah. And one thing that people say quite a bit about startups is that founders are very influenced by their advisors. Mm -hmm. And being in an accelerator is kind of like being in you know, a giant advisory pool, right? You have advisors from yeah. marketing to development to technology to fundraising. That's true. And advisors have a point of view yeah. 
and then say, wow, this would be great if you started to move in this direction. So part of what you hope to get out of the accelerator is that input from the advisors. So how do you balance between keeping your focus but taking advantage of a different point of view? The nice thing about having multiple uh, advisors is that you have to uh, really look what they are saying. If you have one advisor at home and he gives you a certain viewpoint, then it's much more difficult to to see the broader picture. But with a lot of advisors, you get a lot of input and you're free to ignore whichever feedback you you like. It's making you stronger, not distracted. So do you have that kind of freedom within the accelerator to say to the advisors and you know the different people, yeah, we're not doing that? Of course. You do? Yeah, we're, it's our company. Uh, they have a stake in it. They are watching our back because they have a stake in it too. But if we don't do it, they won't. So their stake is not a participatory stake? They don't, do they have any say or voting power or... Yeah, they are owning a part of the company, but it's uh, quite small. So the founding team has the majority by four. So we do what we feel is the best way. We try to um, listen and learn as much as possible because, of course, they have experience in (laughs) making companies scale ridiculously fast, which is impossible almost. But at the end, if we are doing something that we are not believing in, that's the fastest way you can fail. So have you encountered anything yet where you disagree or that's not the direction that you want to go? Disagreements are always interesting. Um, And that happened so many times the last years. So, yeah, that has happened and... It is also something that is maybe something for the future or something that we already figured out um, in the past by doing it or something. But it's, yeah, of course, a lot of, there's a lot of opinions and, yeah. Well, but you're specifically in an environment with the accelerator now. So within the framework of the accelerator and within the framework of, you know, the people who now share a percentage in your company, mm-hmm. are you all moving along with a similar point of view or have you encountered some new ideas or different directions that they're suggesting you go in or that? It's quite quite soon because we are only here for one week. Um, but um, it was very clear. Uh, Shengtan also told us in the beginning, it's, it's your company, you're running it. So it is about that. It is our company, and they fully acknowledge that. And that's also something very important, that you have the, the respect from two sides. Like You have to respect everybody's opinion, but on the other hand, they have to respect your decision at the end. So what do you think the value is, if you could put a a dollar value onto the experience and the time at the advisors and the meetings that you're getting over the course of, how long is the accelerator going to run? Two and a half months? Yeah. Um, What do you think the value is to your company in terms of an investment? That's a difficult one. That's... uh, um, You have to have some sense of it, though. Yeah, of course. But uh, it's a difficult one to to say. Um... It is, if we get traction out of it in the first base, then that's, that's amazingly valuable. Um, 
but um, yeah, putting a dollar to it, it's it's difficult. You'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, of course. So on the just in, in terms of a, a worst case scenario, understanding how the accelerator works, what happens if your company closes? Are you responsible to giving anything back to the accelerator? Is this just part of the risk that they take in having an accelerator, that if they put all this time and energy into you and then six months from now or a year from now, the company ceases to exist for whatever reason? Yeah, um, they have to deal with it as well as, uh, as the other startups then. Because, as you said before, 90% of the startup fails, so that's something that is just... Unfortunately, it's a reality, so then it's end there. And that's... 90% sort of seems to be just what the percentage of failure is for new businesses. They say the same thing about restaurants and about food businesses, that you know only 1 in 10, maybe 2 in 10 will survive yeah. if you can survive for one year or 18 months, then that means your chances of survival are very good. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why that is. That seems to be the magic number, one out of 10. You can be the one out of 10. Maybe um, the magical ingredients is learning a lot and experimenting a lot and getting out as fast as possible. So I think it takes a certain type of person, uh, certain types of perseverance and and passion uh, so yeah it's it's a difficult mix is there anything that has really surprised you so far anything that you just didn't even think about or just struck you as wow i didn't see that one coming <laughs> um yeah i'm um i'm amazed about the city uh, especially and new york is like an amazing city um and it is fairly like I expect the, the accelerator was going because the incubator is also a preparement for that um, but I didn't expect to, to meet best-selling uh, publishers so fast so that's that's something yeah so if you were going to give advice to another entrepreneur um, who wants to get into an incubator and then get into an accelerator mm -hmm. what would your advice be to them in terms of how to do that, how to structure maybe their business or the way that they're working? Um, an incubator is all about finding your team and finding your structure that you are capable of, of going. So normally you can reach out to them. They are popping out of the ground in, in, in even in Belgium. So I think uh, in the States it must be fairly easy to find one. How do you find a good one? Well, the... It's like a good school. A, a school is better than no school. So you just also have to find some frustrations. And um, it's the, the best ones are having some success stories, of course. But it's also so early, as you mentioned. Ten years ago, there were not a lot of uh, accelerators. It was the first one. So... That means that it's very difficult to have like a track record. Um, it's what is good for you, I think. It's there a match because you can have the most talented persons in the world coaching you, but if there is no, no ability to learn, no personal click, yeah, you're in the wrong place. So, 
Is there anything so far in your young company's life that you would do differently based on what you know now? I would do so much differently. <laughs> um, but in the end, um, we're still alive and we're still passionate about it. So I think we are on the right, right track. But if you're, you want to do it exactly the same, yeah, you're probably doing it wrong. Exactly the same as what? What do as you mean you by that? Been done it. If if you would take exactly every choice uh, that you have made in the past, you would do it again. I don't know. That's something that tells you a little bit about you. I think. What's the big one you would have done differently? Um, going to Africa sooner, um, because it was always a lot of iterations between it and getting much closer to it um, because uh, I was having a, a full a full job full-time job in, in Belgium so it was every time I had a holiday I spent it of course uh, in Africa um, but looking back we could stand a lot further so getting closer to your audience and your product getting closer to it's essential the research the thing itself yeah but on the other hand, you have to also have your, your finding an investor is something that takes a lot of time. And then you have to have all the media coverage, which helps you with that. And then you have like your, your vision that you have to have. Otherwise, you don't find your partners. So it's, there's a lot of wasted time, but actually it was perfect time because you use it really well and you, you gained out of it what you need but then in retrospect you would um, see some other things be a little bit more, more important. So just in terms of the chronology of how you would build the profile of your company to get to these different stages, what are the things that you need to build to get to the investor? And then from the investor, what are the things that you build to get to the incubator and then to the accelerator just in simple like broad strokes if someone is sitting at their desk right now listening to this who has a great idea who's spending their holidays and weekends working on it who's looking for a little bit of a roadmap to make that jump yeah it's a it's a good question but there are no really mandatory steps so like an accelerator is is, is awesome if you can use it but it's not mandatory you know, just like an incubator so what an investor really looking at is, is the people in front of you. Are they ready? Are they, they passionate about it? They're, they're putting their money into people and not in the company. So it's the most important thing is build yourself. Build what you want to do. Make sure they know that you're passionate about it. Um, and if you are there, if you can do that and you have like decent skills, yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't be, be fun. You're not the first person to say that on this show. Many people have said that when investors are looking at products and companies, yeah. that they invest in the people yeah. much more than they invest in the product or the concept or the company. It's something to get used to because if you're in front of a crowd of investors, they really look at you like more like uh, uh, psychologists than, than like... Uh, teachers or something they are not looking at your your work but they are really looking at you and they're just pushing you a little bit and then they see how you react to that question so it's very interesting 
And how does that sit with you, considering that your business is about making an impactful difference in other people's lives, and the value of your company is being based on you individually? Because they're very different. You're not in a. You did not create a business to promote yourself individually. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, a writer or a chef or somebody who's saying, I'm this amazing creative person and I'm going to create a product and it's about me and I'm going to sell it. You're selling something that's based on helping other people. Mm-hmm. But people look at you and say, huh, what do we think about this guy? Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Are Is you going to do real? it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Is that stressful? Um, yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. I know what I'm doing for. I would never work so hard for a company. Except for your own. No, I would never do it. You seem very, um, you know, low-key and not very, um, like, a publicity person, like a person who's seeking publicity. Has it been difficult to be the front man for a business to take it this far? Mm, Of course, it has some challenges, but on the other side, yeah, you just have to be passionate about what you're saying and... We were in the in Belgium. We were on the national television, and we had a, a part in a in a show. Um, we have been on the Fast Company, so there's a lot of publicity that goes to it because it's the project. And I, I do think that the project has to be in the spotlight. It shouldn't be me. Um, I I think the impact and what it can do. It's it's simply amazing. Um, so it's it's something different. It's for the investors, they have to see who, what kind of person you are. But for getting your product out there, um, it is about product and the benefit it can have for the, the end consumer. It's not about me. It's about the end consumer. So, Yeah, the whole startup thing, it's very interesting. <laughs> the investment and what you invest in, investing in the people, investing in the idea. Um, we had one founder on, um, Amanda Hesser, who's has a company called food 52 mm-hmm. and her advice to people looking for investors was if you want money, ask for advice. And if you want advice, ask for money. <laughs> yeah. I uh, read that as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. Um, if you're not asking for money, sometimes that helps. That's true. Well, I want to thank our guest, Arnie Powell, for coming out on his uh, first trip to New York City to tell us a little bit about what it's like in an accelerator. And then maybe you'll come back in another f- couple months and, and let us know if you got that Rockefeller Foundation money and how it went and if, you're, if you still think you're in the top 10%. <laughs> cool. It would be my pleasure. I want to thank our sponsor, Eat On North, for making this possible. Heritage Radio Network is member-supported radio, which means we need people like you to support what we do here. So if you like what you heard, check out our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Click on the beating heart. Show us some love. Maybe, you know, give us what you spent on coffee today. What was that, like an $8 latte? We'll take that. That'll help us make more shows. I'm Jennifer Leitzi, and this is Tech Bytes. Come back and see us next week. Thanks 
for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.